0: Everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney over there. Is Steve, hey, all right. And today uh, we are hitting the books. We're talking tales of Yog
1: Sothoth. Uh, yes. Despite, despite your uh, your your penchant for avoiding Yog Sothothery, we went straight to a book about yogg Sothoth.
0: That's right. That's right. I have. I have been dodging it. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, an audio book. Uh, We were provided a copy to check out. Uh, We did uh, The Book of Yig, I believe, uh, a number of weeks ago. By a uh, similar
1: crew. A lot of the same people.
0: Yeah, a lot of the same people. I believe the, uh, the authors in this particular anthology of stories, uh, Matthew Davenport, David Hambling, David J. West, David Wilson, and C.T. Phipps. Uh, this yes. is uh, a collection of uh, short stories uh, in a more pulpy vein than uh, the weird horror vein
1: all yeah, centering around
0: more, Yeah, all more centering actual, around the, oriented. uh, yeah. And they're all centered around the, uh, Lovecraftian uh, I guess it's really Entity? I, entity? Uh, maybe the, the chief entity? I think that bounces back and forth between Yog sothoth and Azathoth. Yeah, I don't
1: line. know if I would say chief entity, I don't know if there's a chief, but Uh, To me, Yogg-Sothoth has always been um, kind of the equivalent to Eternity Mm. in the Marvel Universe, or um, in, um, what do you call it, Uh, Adventure Time. They had that one character that was sleeping, and if he woke up, the universe would end, because he's dreaming the universe. Right, right. That's kind of like the vibe I get from y'all so but you know, you know much less a uh, happy and humorous vein because right. you know granted, if, if the sleeping entity wakes up and and or becomes self-aware or whatever it is, uh, and you are part of that entity and you would cease to exist when the dream is over. That's mm. pretty horrific. Yes,
0: as uh, a concept. So I guess, but would you really be aware of it if you just simply cease to be? Because I mean,
1: you would cease to be, but it's that anticipation, right? It's right. that you you have this knowledge that there that you are part of just this this entity that is all things, and when that entity becomes aware of itself, or when it wakes up, or uh, when it um, inverts itself and travels through the gate to, to become manifest, or whatever it is, everything will cease. Right, right. Uh, it's Yag... that anticipation that, that makes the, the conflict. Mm-hmm.
0: Yogg-Sothoth is really kind of a uh, the concept of panentheism made manifest. Because Yogg-Sothoth is... Coexistent with all time and space Is All time and space and yet is beyond
1: Right So in a way it's kind of the The Lovecraft version Of God Of you know Abrahamic God And as a matter of fact There's an interpretation of the Dunwich Horror In which Sothoth looms Large over Mm -hmm. That um, It is an anti- uh, Birth of Christ parable, yes, and you could see that happening. Now, I mean, now, if you, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, if you've read Dunwich Horror, I mean, basically, that's what it is. <laughs> right. It, it's one of those things. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> right, and the
0: the the Dunwich Horror is is like the main story Yogg-Sothoth f- features in?
1: Yeah, I think that, aside from the you know the lists or it being mentioned in like a uh, in a Sputal aqua or whatever, as far as Lovecraft was concerned, I think that's it. Right. I want to say that Durlith really uh, ran with that ball Right, uh, I think the Watchers out of time, and uh, there's another one like th- threshold of something, or Watchers out of on the threshold. I don't know. Right, there's a couple in there that I'm just like, not, I don't have the patience to read mm-hmm. <laughs> that. Um, that he really goes with this uh, Yog Sothoth thing, but then again, you know, it's Jorath, and it's kind of like, ugh. <laughs> right,
0: right. Now, I, I let's let's just uh, get to the the TLDR uh, real quick. Uh, okay. We did uh, in comparison to the book of Yig, uh, the quality of this particular audiobook uh, is far and <laughs> away like, better.
1: <laughs> it's like night and day. It, it, it
0: really is. It really is. Uh, the narration by Joshua Saxon, uh, much more professional. Um, yes,
1: the man can actually keep accents going, mm-hmm. um, and he is very adept in letting you know with audio audio clues who is actually uh, speaking or mm-hmm. from whose perspective something is coming from. He's very good at that. Right not once did I think that, uh, zero the hut was telling a, a, Lovecraft story.
0: Right. right. <laughs> However, I, I will say that, um, Saxon's cowboy voice needs a little more work. Um, m- mainly because, mainly because, uh, as, as he's speaking and reading through, uh, the haunter of the wheel, uh, he, for the main character, he appropriates his voice, and it really jumped out at me that I've heard a similar voice before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and on a whim, Saturday, I just happened to be, like, flip... No, it was Friday. I'm sorry. On a whim, Friday, I was flipping through uh, movies at the office, um, and threw on that travesty of a store, uh, movie, Jonah Hex. And the main character's voice really sounded to me a lot like Josh Brolin's
1: Jonah Hex. <laughs> Having never seen Jonah Hex and never planning on seeing Jonah Hex, if you say so. right? <laughs> I'll, I'll defer to you. And, uh, I, and I was so disappointed
0: in like, that movie that movie was was that had the potential of being so <laughs> fucking
1: good. It just sounded like a... Uh, a I don't, I don't want to say generic, mm-hmm. but it just sounded like a a, a genericish uh, western kind of drawl. yeah nothing nothing too too much. Um, you know, maybe he could have Clint Eastwooded it up a little bit, mm-hmm. but, you know, having not seen Jonah Hex, it didn't bother me. Right. Right. Well, uh, the the, the nar- I listen to a lot of audiobooks mm-hmm. and narration is like half the battle. Right. And it wasn't any part of a battle. The narration was great.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I only, only it only strikes me because I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks um, I think we discussed this with uh, book of Yig it's one of those things that my job you know your job you drive around a lot so you yes. have a lot ample opportunity to uh, you know listen to audiobooks and for me my job is um, at a desk so print is more easily accessible to me to sit there and actually you know read the words whether on paper or on screen I really don't have a preference right. over ebooks or paper books
1: right and and just so everyone knows that this book is also available as an ebook right
0: as well and there will be a link
1: It's to not the ebook yeah, it's not just an audio book so right.
0: now that that said I once again would have had a much better time reading Rather than listening, uh, mainly because I have to find something else to do while I'm listening. Otherwise, I'm just kind of just sitting there.
1: <laughs> it's easy to get distracted while you're listening to an audio book, um, yeah. especially if you if you don't have a mind numbing task like driving
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, while you're doing it.
0: Right. It's very easy for things to uh, for it to shift into the background and become just background right. noise. Uh, there's also a couple so, of familiar characters that appear in the table of contents here.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, I was going to say that um, the lion's share of these uh, stories are ongoing characters from the various authors. mm mm-hmm. um, At least two of which we've uh, encountered before. That's
0: right. Uh, we have The Ghost Door by David Hambling, which is Ari Stubbs.
1: Harry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Stubbs is, is a uh, an in private insurance investigator in the uh, 1920s in London. Hey, he was a boxer.
0: He yes. becomes an expert in the paranormal.
1: Yeah, it's like kind of a uh Kolchak kind of thing
0: yeah uh, and then we have uh, Andrew Doran and the forever Gate is a uh, as it says on the 10 in Andrew Doran
1: story uh, which is a 1930s American adventurer uh, very similar to Indiana Jones kind of thing
0: right kind of uh Indiana Jones meets. John Constantine?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like got, but it's got that. It's Indiana Jones with a lot more um, occultism mm-hmm. than Indiana Jones.
0: Right, right. And, and, uh, Harry Stubbs is kind of, uh, John Constantine meets, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a character, uh, it doesn't matter. In the film, he's played by uh, Benny Jones.
1: Although <laughs> you said Kenny Jones. No.
0: But like, drummer? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have uh, uh, Cletus J. Diggs is, is in there as well. And I'm not sure uh, who wrote that particular one because the author's name is missing from the table of contents.
1: It is... Uh, David Mal Wilson. Ah. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Yeah. So, it also features Donovan de Chance. Right.
0: Now, with a name like Donovan DeChance, they I uh, I think Mr. Saxon really kind of missed the opportunity to throw on that uh well. Uh, you really shouldn't be playing with this kind of fire here, sir. So. <laughs> yeah, but he was, uh, A little more, he was
1: from California, as yeah. opposed to Georgia.
0: Yeah, but really, I mean, Donovan, the name Donovan DeChance, I mean, that's...
1: He could have done that with Cletus. <laughs> well, you we are known. The uh, character Cletus J. Diggs is from the South. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Cle- Cletus J. Diggs. He's, he's from, uh, well, this story North, takes place in Georgia, North Carolina. Carolina. North Carolina which I'm not really yeah. familiar enough with North Carolina well, to.
1: I'm not either, but they said a lot of people pass by where they are on the way to the Outer Banks, so I figured it is the North Carolinian equivalent of the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Mm hmm. And for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, know my opinion of the Eastern Shore of Maryland.
0: Isn't all of North Carolina basically the Eastern Shore of Maryland?
1: I don't know. I've never been there. Don't plan on going.
0: dun da, da dum Go I, I Tar like, Heels! You know, I like breathing. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, in your view, uh, what are the the standout stories? Because every anthology has standouts. In your mind, what are the standouts?
1: To me, the opening story, The True Name of God, uh, was by by far my favorite story in this anthology. And I'm going to tell you why. One of my pet peeves with mythos stories in general, especially mythos stories that deal with um, non-Christian cultures is that they um, appropriate mythology and beliefs of indigenous peoples and kind of make them into part of the mythos. And I'm not talking about a clan of quote unquote degenerate Eskimos. I'm talking about, like, whole cloth. Their whole pantheon is all just <clears throat> uh, different versions mm-hmm. of Nyarlathotep and blah, blah, blah.
0: Yoggstothothory by another name. Right.
1: So, I, I, I can't stand it. And it happens so much. Mm-hmm. This kind of flipped the script on that. So, the first story takes place in uh, the Middle East, back around the time of the Crusades. Jerusalem, I believe. And um, the main character is uh, Hashashin, a Muslim assassin, <clears throat> and the, another character is a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And they basically come to find out that um, it's a strong possibility that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is, in fact, a monster. <laughs> Right. Yogg-Sothoth. And the, the gist of it, and it's, we're going to try and be spoiler-free, but this, the the monster um, comes into existence because it uh, was a, 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 crus- a crusader who heard a part of the true name of Yogg-Sothoth, of God. And it so affected him that he became a uh, a ravenous, soul-sucking beast.
0: Right. Akin to a vampire.
1: Yeah, he was basically a vampire.
0: I believe the exact term they used in this story was strigoi.
1: Which is um, a
0: vampire. Right, right. Uh, so... I believe that's more like it. Eastern European, I believe. the That version. You know, yeah, native to that I, culture, Poland you know, that, that area, the witcher.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, a strego, a strego is a witch or strego. Anyway, I just liked it so much that somebody finally, finally did to, uh, Abrahamic religion. What people do to Mesoamerican Filipino Chinese you name it, religions all over the place. Mm-hmm. Finally, fucking did it, and did it pretty well. It wasn't like cheesy, right? Right. I mean, and uh, in... they, they they did it well, and and, and the, the main character, <laughs> the main conflict was really <laughs> the uh, the main character's existential crisis when realizing that everything he was brought up to believe, and he's a a, a, a you know a cultist assassin,
0: <laughs> right
1: so you know he's heavily entrenched um abrahamic guy he's a muslim everything he was brought up to believe maybe not quite what he thought it was and it blows his mind it's great Mm -hmm.
0: yep and a lot of it is dealt with and you know his perseverance of faith um now one of the things you know i think we mentioned it briefly uh you know, while we were in the process of going through this book, and, you know, C.T. Phipps, I think, has some type of background in religion, uh, because there is that esoteric kind of lore involved here, and it makes perfect sense <laughs> as, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times when you have you know, yog yogg uh, in, you know, taking an indigenous faith, it's usually just kind of shoehorned in. You know, it's like, yeah, well, it's a, really, the surface. gods they believe in, but he has a character. It's
1: a, oh, go ahead. It's, it's a uh, it, it, it's 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 um, aesthetic only, right? It really, it, it it does not go any deeper than, um, well, this god is the god of blah blah blah, and Lathotep is also the represents blah, blah, blah. So why aren't they the same? Right. Right.
0: Um, this story actually contains a more or less sound theological argument that Yogg-Sothoth and the true god of the universe are one and the same. And that's one of the things that uh, spawns the main character's existential crisis is because it makes perfect fucking sense.
1: It does make sense. And the main difference is that Yog sothoth doesn't give a shit. Right. Right. It's if if you are sitting in your your den or whatever, and a bunch of ants come into the room and tool around, do anything. Uh, You have nothing against those particular ants in general, but they're annoying, so you might spray them. Or you might step on them. Some people might sweep them out, right? Right. And that's kind of what, like, God feels about people.
0: Right, right. They're 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 not the special creation that we all like to believe ourselves to be.
1: Now, if those ants started... Marching in a circle, chanting your name, you might your ears might prick up, and you might pay attention to what they're saying. You might even do fulfill a request because, goddamn, those hands are saying Steve. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, let me do them a favor: drop them a sugar cube
1: or something. Exactly. Yeah, and then Um, and and it is mind blowing to to this guy because he like comes to the realization that you know the entity that he devoted his life to uh may not be quite as benign and loving as he'd like to believe right 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 and that it was handled so deftly it wasn't uh pretentious at all in its explanation because sometimes you get these like uh contact with with Aspects of God stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's just, it devolves into, like, some, like, essay of Gnosticism, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. you need a fucking thesaurus and a dictionary to, to slog through it. And then even then, you're just like, why am I reading this?
0: Right. Because, <laughs> because as you're slogging through it with a, with a thesaurus and a dictionary, uh, you realize that, um, you also need a master's degree in theology.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Because uh, it's some you know. next level shit going on here, and there's nothing wrong with including some next level shit uh, in your stories. Because that's kind of what makes makes them cool and unique and stuff like that. Right. But right. you know, at least give it a sound enough explanation within the framework of the story. Like, for example, in, in this particular story, The True Name of God, uh, there are some fairly heavy theological concepts like uh, the Tetragrammaton. You know, the being, the, the having the true name of God on your lips or in, in your mind, you know, does give you the ability to get its attention. And, you know, that's, pretty heavy for a lot of folks to understand and it's a part of uh you know the that that religion the Abrahamic religions and a lot of other religions that uh, you know the vernacular version doesn't really get into
1: right well because all that stuff is is um in the in the notes so to speak you mm-hmm. know that's uh, that's not Torah uh that's Haftorah Torah and right. that that's that's stuff that um you study mm-hmm. separate from worship. Right. Right. But that's, uh mysticism, not that's being in the club. That's right. part of being in the club. Right. That's, but you know, uh if you're not in the club, they don't teach that to you. True, true.
0: Now Phipps does a a good job at introducing these concepts. And explaining how it all ties together without it being an esoteric info dump. Yes. You know, it, he frames it as a legitimate argument between these two characters. Uh, one of them thinking that the the other is, well, they both think they're heretical. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're like, you're a heretic. No, you're a heretic. Right. And and our main character, his his crisis. He's constantly, you know, being shown that uh, well, I might actually be the heretic here, because everything this guy's doing and says seems to be one hundred percent accurate. <laughs>
1: yeah, but he still is able to maintain that um, sliver of, of faith-based doubt mm-hmm. that allows him. To uh, not go completely batshit crazy. Right. The other thing that this story serves to do is set up the um, like the meta narrative because uh, all these stories are related to each other. Um, kind of like, well, a lot like uh, the, the book of Yig was, but I think the, that in that, in that um, in that book, you had a, that the stone, mm-hmm. and you had like this uh, this conflict of the two different sects of serpent people. That kind of was overarching, right? You know, Plot wise, um, and I think that in that case, it was very limiting mm-hmm. to the stories. And I think in this case. The uh, plot device they use, which we're not going to reveal because it is kind of spoiler-esque. And you catch on to it pretty quickly, though. Uh, it is more open. Mm-hmm. Um, and allows for a, a wider variety of storytelling. So just, just off the bat, you have something that I think the authors were freer to to work with within what the concept of the of the book was.
0: All right. Yep. Yep. Very, definitely. Definitely. What about, um, all right. So the true name of right there, you know, the first story off the bat, uh, is, is one that really, really jumps out. Uh, any, any other standouts in your opinion?
1: Uh, yeah, actually I enjoyed, um, the Andrew Doran story, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Doran and the, and the forever gate. Um, I, I liked it. I, I thought that would make for a good uh, Call of Cthulhu or Pulp Cthulhu scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was it was interesting. Was it groundbreaking? No. But was it cool? And did it have, like, some good set pieces and gamer moments? I think it did. Yeah.
0: Uh, definitely had some uh, good set pieces. Uh yeah, the same and the same I, with uh the, the Ghost Door as well. Um the the two stories really kind of focus on the same uh MacGuffin, I guess you would say. But they, they, they handle this, it they a little a bit differently. Concept. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They have a, they have a similar concept to them and both of them would, would definitely make for a cool um a cool gaming scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the the Andrew Doran one. Um a little bit more and that is by uh, Matthew Davenport who coincidentally is the, the gentleman who turned us on to this book mm-hmm. um, because I'm going to say just because there's a point in the story is about um, how how an evil sorceress is trying to bring Yogg-Sothoth back <clears throat> by uh, utilizing a series of gates, right? Because yeltsin is the gate and the key mm-hmm. uh, that travel through space and time. Right. And, and at one point, they, they, they come to a particular space and time, which is so <laughs> horrific that somebody there um, makes a request to just end it all. And uh, the, hum- the humane thing to do is to do that, and I like how that came, that act came back in the end, to uh, to help resolve the story. It was a nice bit of storytelling. Right, right. Yeah, it, it was um, a, a Chekhov's gun moment, I guess.
0: Yep, yep. I did, I did enjoy the uh, Andrew Doran story. Um, I, I have a feeling that if I uh, we're given an opportunity to uh, dig a little bit further into the the that character that I probably would really enjoy uh, more. Uh, Harry Stubbs the same, you know. It might be one of those things that uh, you know, with listening to uh, or reading through Stubbs. Uh, With my own voice.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, we've had two Harry Sub stories, and one was read horribly, and the other one was read pretty well. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. The Uh, the thing that got me about that was at first, because of the accents that they're using, I thought it was like contemporary with Sherlock Holmes. Right. So I thought it was like a gaslight kind of thing, and he's talking about plumbing and all this shit, and I'm just like, did they have that soccer scores? Why are they talking about soccer scores? Did they even have professional soccer back then? And then I come to realize that no, it's in the 20s, and yeah, they're talking about it's the interwar period, and they mentioned the war and everything. So in this case, the reading kind of threw me off because of the because of the accents they were that they were cho- chosen to use. Right. Right. And they might have been appropriate accents. I just associate that like Cockney kind of thing with, you know, every character but Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes, piece.
0: <laughs> oh, I missed Holmes. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say I would say definitely true name of God. Uh, agree with you there. That was a standout. I enjoyed um, the Andrew Doran story, uh, Haunter of the Wheel. You know, you know, we've discussed this. I'm I am kind of a sucker for a good western, um, and I had a lot of high hopes, but I think uh, a lot of the way this was set up as, and it seems like this one as well. Was a, is a recurring character uh, from David West, and we've picked him up somewhere along, like the middle, and I think that in some ways kind of detracted a little bit from my enjoyment of a of a good weird western. You know that we're seeing this guy late yes, in his hate. career, I guess you would say.
1: Cowboys and Cthulhu Adventure. Right. Is how it is built. So.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I don't necessarily like my weird western uh with a character that is as clued in as the character in this story, I guess. Um
1: I with a with a patron, I will, I will agree with you, um, to a certain extent. I'm not a huge fan of westerns in general, mm-hmm. so it doesn't um, it doesn't affect me as much. But I agree that sometimes um, it, the unknown having having stuff like this be unknown is is a lot. Um more satisfying to me mm-hmm. and have somebody slog through it all and figure it out as opposed to having somebody who, yeah, who has a, uh, a patron that follows him around and gives him assignments. Right.
0: Right. Like, um, Jonah Hex on legends of tomorrow. We mentioned the film. Let's uh, mention a good portrayal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know where it's we see the character yeah. and we we meet the character, and he says something in passing. he's like I've got some experience in time travel, you know, and and that's it, and that's all you need to know, <laughs> right? You know, is that a little throwaway reference?
1: Would, and maybe this guy is like a, a Jonah Hex, S P.
0: Ah, uh, perhaps. I mean, he, he does really kind of seem that way. Um, I'm not familiar enough with the wider world of the Weird Western to know, you know, how many, you know, characters there are. But uh, yeah, he does kind of uh, strike me as kind of a rooster cogburn type of guy.
1: Yeah, now you've gone completely
0: over my my head. Uh mm-hmm. Famous, most famously, more recently portrayed by the dude in the remake of True Grit.
1: Oh, yeah, see. Uh, so,
0: they got an actual decent human being to play this character.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, is that is is that the main character in the John Wayne movie? Yeah. yeah. There's no way. Yeah. I, I watch, I've seen one John Wayne movie in my entire life, and that is one too many. Yep, yep. Well, and that was The Searchers, which is a vile movie. That's my two cents. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's Man. a racist piece of shit film. If you want to do a a, um, a show about the Searchers, I'll stomach and watch it again so I could slam it because fuck that movie.
0: Yeah. No thanks.
1: <laughs> no thanks. The, um, <clears throat> oh, that's, that's, no. It, go never ahead, yeah. um Yeah. Uh, no, nope, that's that's it's it's something else. It's. We'll get to it next time. Right, right. Because next time we are reading another weird western. That's true. Which I I cheated and started it, and so there there's definitely some searchers in there. Nice.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Teaser for next week. Um. Yeah. Any anyone that was particularly uh, a low point. We've we've gone through <laughs> high points. What, what do you what do you think might be the low point? I mean, um, let's be a little even handed about it, I guess.
1: Uh, ironically, I did not like the final gate, which is the closing story, also by C.T. Phipps.
0: Right. Yeah, that one uh, that one is uh, interesting to me because it does uh, also present that kind of uh, knowledge of esoteric lore
1: it does it it builds on the themes set up in the first story mm-hmm. um the, the unfortunate thing is whereas the first story um was you was fairly unique and and took a a novel approach to the the subject this one kind of Descended into um, like a lot of cliche. It was post apocalyptic setting, right? So this is after the end, right? Yokeshithoff mm-hmm. wins, right? <laughs>
0: well, it's like it's like uh, Fallout.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is like it's supposed to be this hellscape, but it's kind of more like Fallout. If if Fallout had um, the return of the old ones instead of um, nuclear disaster, right, right. But but it, it did. It, it kind of reminded me of Fallout Gamma World, which isn't bad. I like that. And and I and when I first started reading, it, I said, oh, you know, that'd be like kind of a cool setting for Gamma World. Would be um, a Cthulhu disaster, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But then as it went on, it just got really bogged down in um, the storytelling. And I think part of it was, I, I, I'm, I'm getting the impression that Phipps is the mastermind behind the, uh, the series or the, at least this particular book mm-hmm. because he has the opening and the closing. So he has like the, the book Right. And um, I think he felt, he fell into the trap of being too constrained by what he set up. Mm-hmm. And, and he felt like it, that because there was a theme and it was, it was a narrative theme that it needed a conclusion. And I didn't think it really needed to go there like that. I, the stories were, were pretty strong on their own that you, that you didn't need, um, uh, you didn't need the, the the bookend on it,
0: right? Right. Well, also we have a a, a character um, who is an unknown. I a, the he was compared to a Shawgoth, uh, hybrid Shawgoth, I guess. kind of in the vein of Fat Face or something like that. But uh, you know, really, it's kind of something else, and. Uh, you know, there's, there's no, all these other stories have like a legitimate source of danger, uh, yes. a threat, and we've gotten so far in the timeline uh, now because we've, we've gone all the way from the Crusades in the first story, uh, you know, into the 20s, into the 30s, into uh, the modern or the, well, we went from the Crusades to the Old West or the Victorian era and into the 20s, the 30s and then into a modern story with uh, Reverend Cletus J. Diggs Mm -hmm. and now we're far in the future and we're capping this off Uh, however this protagonist is not human though regularly laments that fact Um, and you know, is so powerful that, um, you know, it's like, it's like Wolverine comics, I guess, you you know, I think I made that comparison, is the best you can do for a threat is roughly equal power level. Right. I mean, we're talking about Saber a character, cheese. yeah, we're talking about a character that Nyarlathotep himself directly speaks to in passing. Right you know so, and and that's really kind of like the opposite it's like you, it's really hard to have like these these demigod i guess kind of characters in this type of
1: setting right and uh, well it's not only that but it was it was told in first person mhm so you know that no matter what happens whether like the outcome is it's It still sucks. It's still Armageddon or we managed to reverse it. Yay. Um, no matter what happens, you know, this guy survives, right? Right. So where, where is the, the story happening? Uh, in something like that, it could either happen with, um, the details of what happens. Um, so you have a character who's unfolding a mystery or something, right? Mm -hmm, Right. Where he's experiencing stuff and he's relating this stuff being experienced, and he he or they react to it and stuff happens, or you can have um, a character, and this is what they try to do, who is protective of other characters, who has other characters in their life, and they're really powerful, and they need to be able to protect these other characters, right? Right. So the, the danger uh, is in threats to other characters, and they kind of try and do this, but it doesn't quite work uh, because these other characters are pretty badass in and of themselves. Right, right. And, and so you end up having like this all-powerful character who basically does nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it's
0: kind of the, the Superman problem.
1: Yeah, but in the Superman problem, you can always throw Darkseid in there. Right. Right? But they pretty much made it so that this character um, has fucking Sunday brunch with Darkseid. Right. right? <laughs> He's on a par with Darkseid and and they know each other. So you don't really have that here. and And there, there wasn't, like, a doomsday. He wasn't in any threat of physical harm himself. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like a poorly conceived Superman story.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, I, I would say um,
0: definitely uh, not, not the best story to go out on. I mean, I see it, it's a, it works as a oh, bookend, but... <laughs> You know being at the end of
1: time, to and, take it even further right it's a, it's a poorly conceived Superman story where Lois Lane ends up saving herself. Yep. so there really wasn't a a, a need for Superman to be there in the first place. This is true. So sorry, I haven't had have it take it to its natural conclusion
0: right right No understandable, understandable.
1: Uh, that's what happens
0: and, when you work with analogies sometimes
1: <laughs> yeah well no but it's unfortunate because I think the rest of the book was actually you know it was I enjoyed it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it, it there was at no point was I like uh, now I gotta go and go through another fucking Yogg-Sothoth story and even the one that had the rednecks in it was actually pretty cool right, right the, the one we never we really didn't mention much was uh, the not quite reverend Cletus J. Diggs and the done what horror right
0: which is kind of a the title is kind of misleading because it's like uh, you know this is it, it almost like reads like it should be like a, a bizarre you know Tucker and Dale versus evil Kind of like uh, tongue, I in, thought it was good. tongue in tongue in cheek it was. kind of thing going on, <clears throat> and I might have liked it a little bit better had it been kind of a, a more tongue in cheek sort of thing because you know I really think humor is really underdone uh, in regards to the mythos. You know somebody somebody has to be able to 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 kind of take the piss on this because. You know, let's face it guys, a lot of folks take this shit way too seriously. Yeah, they
1: do.
0: Um and yeah, that was kind of a, a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, overall it was it was alright. Uh, in the in but I think I was I felt a little misled and a little bit let down by the title.
1: The title definitely well, I had the opposite effect. I read that title and I was like oh god damn it here we go <laughs> I, was, I don't mind humor in the mythos but I really just don't like redneck culture sorry right. it's no. I, I, it ain't my bag go fucking shave take off the camo work in a fucking car dealership deal with it I don't have any issues I, I, right? Hey, <laughs> you don't work in a car dealership, and I've never seen you wear camo. Uh,
0: yes, you have, and you asked me to take it off as soon as. You Did s- I? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I must have blocked that shit.
0: <laughs> uh, I believe the exact words are, "Aren't you hot?" No. Because I had a I had a large, um, almost like a fatigue jacket, because gotcha. it had extra pockets. Right, you know, other garments have pockets. Well, I couldn't find the black one. That's that's why it was the camo. <laughs> anyway. All right, so yeah, there you go. So a little I, personal I insight and, into into our relationship.
1: <laughs> I saw it and I was like, "Fuck this shit!" But you ended up being I, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I liked it. It was a it was a pretty cool story. It was a nice, uh, a riff on the Dunwich horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't go too far into it um, that it was a retelling of it.
0: Right, right. Um, you know, unlike some authors who will remain nameless, who just basically make their living retelling other people's stories. Yes. Um, yeah, it does have that kind of like Southern Gothic kind of feel,
1: um, which I didn't mind. Right, right. I I don't mind that Southern Gothic's kind of. Kind of cool. It's like you know, yeehaw! Let's let's saddle up the gators and hey, I resemble that, that remark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clem, put the saddle on the gator. We're going down to the store. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy! But it did respect the southern culture. Not that there wasn't. um degenerate clansmen uh, in the woods worshiping a idol of cthulhu in the swamp right with with uh yeah
0: yeah it didn't, it, it go, didn't it go it there. didn't go that route it went with uh <laughs> right uh the, the the best part about it was it was a riff on the the dunge horror but uh the the Waitleys or Whatleys, i believe uh yeah, the, the they're, uh, yeah, uh, they're transplants. They're from New England. didn't weird yeah. New England people will come
1: up here in our woods. Well, we got <laughs> we got rednecks up here too. Yeah, there's a you know there's a middle part of this state that's not Boston. Shit,
0: it, I thought it was just trees. <laughs> it's like Boston and the parking for Boston.
1: No, that's you know, that only goes out so far. Once you get past four ninety five then then you get to it's like going going uh west on the what is it, the Adel Adelbury Pike or whatever he calls it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so Yeah, we yeah, we got our share of, of uh Oh yeah. Can't get there from here.
0: All right, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the oh, Tales of Yog sothoth A uh, bunch of Lovecraftian pulp stories. Uh, if you're into playing uh, Pulp Cthulhu, uh, you might get a number of ideas from uh, Tone narration. If you're new to the game, uh, I'd say this would be an excellent primer for Tone. Uh, if, you're, yeah, if you're a player, well, uh, you're a player or um, a new keeper.
1: Well, and that's the other thing, is as a resource for, for gaming, um, Pulp Cthulhu has a lot less material to draw from mm-hmm. than um, than Vanilla Call of Cthulhu right, does. Right, right. Um, so, you know, it's not just, um, oh, just like add a ton of goons as a, you know cultist goons and have a lot of fist fights you know there there are certain um, elements of action mm-hmm. that that you need to to become familiar with right cuz it, it's also it's not like go down the dungeon and fight a bunch of orcs either. right exactly there's like a nice balance and and I think like a lot of the like all of these stories have that kind of feel to it, uh, some more effective than others. But all in all, it, it, you know, if you're looking for ideas or just the the um, feel for Pulp Cthulhu, you can't really go wrong reading this book.
0: No, you can't. Uh, we'll have links in the description uh, of the episode and just uh, check it out. Uh, yep, I, think you'll, I think you'll be glad you did.
1: Yeah, speaking of Pulp Cthulhu, this book will teach you to keep 30 luck points. For sure.